Every week, the thing everyone else is too afraid to talk about, we're out here doing it. They you don't know, want to hear the truth about Mass Effect. You know, we should probably like double we'll check to make sure because like you make these claims fairly frequently, and we need to probably make sure that there's no other show out there that could possibly make these claims. Ken, we I make these claims to make them true. These <laughs> these truths we hold <laughs> self evident that Mass Effect is good and bad and norm dfm will tell you both real quick we do have a a little bit of housekeeping to do uh we had some life stuff come up uh in one of our our guests who was supposed to be coming on so we're shifting around the schedule a little bit for these loyalty missions uh first off we're doing grunt and morden today so we'll be heading to to chanka today uh we were originally supposed to do garris and miranda this week but we will be pushing those loyalty missions out to not next week but the week after uh our so we will have all those set out really uh if you're playing along just be playing all the loyalty missions that you can do up to this point because uh this is about the time of the game when you'd be doing them anyways so but that will be our plan so this week will be grunt and morden next week will be uh jack and i believe jacob is is set for next week that's that's right and then uh and then the week after that is garris and miranda and that that's actually a lot of our loyalty missions i believe we have uh it'll be a guest next week who we'll talk about at the end of the show we're very excited to have uh her on and a guest the week after that and we have another couple guests uh this season as well that we're looking forward to uh but yeah we're we're getting through the loyalty missions, and we're going to start with, honestly, part of me is a little happy to start with these loyalty missions, because while Garrus is great, Miranda's great, uh, those maybe don't highlight how special the loyalty missions are into compared to the ones that we jump into here, which are Grunt and Morden, mm-hmm. because these have their own area. You, they're their own set-apart uh, missions that do not take place on somewhere like the Citadel, where you are just kind of going into an area that was set aside. It's like, okay, so you're on a Citadel, but go over here. Uh, we get to go to Tachanka, the Krogan homeworld. And uh, because we are good at this video game and we make correct choices, we get to run into an old friend. Uh, mm. Oh, how I missed Erdnot Rex. Oh, man. I really 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 missed rex he's got like <laughs> like that the second he sees you and he's like like he's got some political stuff that he's got to deal with but then he just immediately shoved this dude out of the way 
shakes her hand and says, Shepard, my friend. And I was like, how did you not know I was dead? But this is like, really, this is a really nice scene just because like, he's very excited to see you. Like, I'm excited to see you. Everybody's excited to see each other. It's great. Seeing Rex is really cool because you get to spend this whole, you know, every time you meet one of your old uh, crewmates in this game, you kind of spend some time talking to them and figuring out what they've been up to. And and, and it was hinted at in Mass Effect 1 that he was uh, wanting to do more than just be a mercenary, that he was really wanting to reunite the Krogan. And the further you go into his quest line, learning about his lineage and all that, you realize that this dude is actually pretty high up on the food chain Mm. as far as the Krogan go. And he has that sort of power if he wants it, if he wants to take that mantle. And so coming back two years later and seeing like, oh, he did. He like, he's decided that that he's going to actually like take command and change things is really, really cool. And also, you know, you can kind of invite him along and be like, hey, Rex, want to come? shoot shit with me instead and he's like no i've got a responsibility here i gotta i've got a job that i gotta do for my people then you've got a job that you've got to do so right. sorry but you know i'd love to but like oh it's good it's good stuff he talks about how like vermeyer was this changing moment for him which is like going back to what we talked about in the first game where it was like they do a really good job of like sort of setting up things in one that are going to carry on throughout the whole series because this kind of becomes Rex's shtick that he's sort of like this uniting force of the Krogan should you mm-hmm. choose to not interfere in any sort of way. <laughs> it's... I, I just like who Rex becomes mm. in, in these last two games because while in the first game he's definitely this, uh, you know, hard-ass character and he kind of plays antagonist at one point which kind of feels cheap in retrospect the further you get from it like oh man it really kind of sucks that they made it so that like you know rex is this person who really only comes up storyline wise to a lead you to tally and b uh to provide a counterpoint on vermeyer Mm. uh it's it's funny and i'm getting way ahead of ourselves in the podcast (laughs) here but considering this content won't even come up until like may or june um i have started mass effect 3 and having just played the missions on sir uh in mass effect 3 you get even more of this you get even more of like rex going leading the krogan and being this this leader of his people and trying to unite the clans and stuff and it's it's really cool to see all that as it develops. I think it's actually one of the more interesting plot lines that comes mm-hmm. up, even though you you actually see very little of it. But then every time you kind of go away and then come back, it's he's like a whole new person. So kind of takes on a, I mean, more so than just like a leader, but more like a symbol and sort of the way that Shepard is. It's like this person is mm-hmm. a sign that times are changing, like very much so from where the species of the Krogan started in the very first game, for sure. And we talked we talked a little about how Liara uh, becoming an agent or, or an information broker who was kind of chasing after the Shadow Broker uh, was kind of this sudden leap. Like, it was a very... You couldn't really see the point A to B, and you'd have to kind of go into some extra mm-hmm. lore and other information to really get the full context. But with Rex, it feels completely natural. Right, it feels sure. like... the this is still rex he's still up to it but we've got some stuff to take care of and the first thing we're going to do is we've got a tank bred krogan who is 
just damn bloodthirsty man he he mad he very mad (laughs) he mad and we haven't talked much about grunt up to this point i feel like he's one of the crewmates that we've talked about very little and i guess that's because there isn't much to talk about in terms of grunt yeah because he, he, he throughout the series i would say even in three and and through this loyalty mission and stuff he is just kind of like well i'm a krogan i want to fight things mm. let's go fight things and he's uh, the not rex it's basically yeah yeah, yeah. but the one interesting twist is that he he is tank bread right he's artificial so he's kind of trying to figure out how much of this was instilled in him and forced upon him and how much is him feeling his true heritage his true calling and i think that's what this loyalty mission kind of represents is him you know deciding to determine his own destiny and not necessarily the one that was given to him inside the tank for sure even though it's like one thing that we didn't really bring it up when we recruited him but he sort of starts out very similar to the way that a lot of characters do, or at least have ended up in Mass Effect Andromeda, where they are more resistant of their own culture, and like that in Mass Effect Andromeda, that sort of like pushes all of them to do what they did in that game. But I feel like, depending on I guess where you stand on it, it might be disappointing to some people that he does in the end of this sort of seem to go the way of not not necessarily Okir, but of like Krogan culture as we know it. Mm-hmm. yeah it's it's tough because really the thing he wants to do is aligned with what okir wanted him to do the only difference is that okir kind of wanted like a proxy he wanted to live on through mm-hmm. grunts and i i think we see this mirrored uh when we talk later about miranda and her loyalty mission and and what her sort of uh issue has been what her the Mm. the one problem that she always has throughout the series has been uh with her father and and there's a lot of stuff in mass effect 2 especially and and even carrying into mass effect 3 that's about these characters that have had their identities determined for them and them wanting to define it themselves while they still have a chance to because now that we're into the loyalty missions we can finally talk a little bit about these are the idea behind these missions i think is really interesting in that they are kind of settling the affairs of all Mm. your crewmates you know they they all have this thing that's bugging them this thing that is on their minds that's distracting them and they're about to go on a mission that they may not come back from and you get kind of the same thing in mass effect 3 where uh you know the world is ending and it's kind of they want to settle their affairs too Mm -hmm. uh but that one I think the the main reason, and I've been trying to figure it out as we've been building up to these loyalty missions because uh, uh, I was trying to figure out why those two things felt very different to me. And it was that in Mass Effect 2, the world is not ending yet. Right. You know, in Mass Effect 3, spoilers, the Reapers are invading and the, the war has broken out and everything is going bad. Uh, so everyone knows that death is just around the corner and and it's desperation it's last stand it's not whatever in mass effect 2 for a large number of people the world will keep turning the day after the suicide mm-hmm. mission right and so that's what really strikes me with all this stuff is that they are preparing for a death that they don't necessarily have to walk into but they want to and so you're kind of 
helping them be settled enough to do that and, and settling their affairs to do so. Uh, so with Grunt, and this is, I'm glad you put it this way in your notes. The best way of saying this is it's kind of like Krogan puberty. Mm-hmm. He's going through Krogan puberty. But instead of it just being awkward fumbling around other people and listening to a lot of emo music, <laughs> bless you, Gerard Way, um, he, he just wants to hit stuff. I, hey, look, you know, that's not that different from puberty either. I mean, we all been there. But, <laughs> um, unless you're listening to this without having gone through puberty, in which case, uh, dear Normandy FM listener, gear up. Get ready. <laughs> it's gonna be a odd couple of years, man. Uh, so we go and we talk to to Rex, and uh, during this part, we get kind of some insight into what the other clans are like because there is a an ambassador here who does not want Grunt to take the uh, the right, does not want Grunt to become a Krogan. And we get to see some of the politics that we've never really gotten to see before right. in Krogan uh, lore in the Krogan universe. And you mentioned this here, so you're going to have to explain this both to me and our listeners that there's some sort of link here that gets brought up again later in Andromeda. Oh, uh, so not the, not the guy that's like being a pain in the ass, but there's a ambassador that you can talk to who is uh, from Clan Nakmore, which is... Uh, the clan that is one of the primary ones that comes to Andromeda and like the Krogan um, squad mate in that um, Drac, Nakmore Drac is from that clan mm-hmm. and so it's like you get these little tidbits and hints that there is there are these people that are not presently here but this, this world is expanding hmm interesting interesting to have that little tidbit um, and so Grunt basically has to be sponsored by a clan to get put in, and so he gets uh, adopted by the Erdnot clan. Uh, and then we have to go do this right. And, uh... <sighs> Ken, this is such a video gamey thing that yeah, happens. Yeah, it's, um... I mean, so for some, some people might rather, like, prove themselves by combat than go through what human puberty is. I mean, and that's fair, I guess. That's... Yeah, if you could do trial by combat instead of going through human puberty, you know, if you could just do a trial by combat and end up on the other side of puberty, you know, would you do it? I think the answer might be yes. I mean, what's a, <laughs> what's a Thresher Moss? <laughs> New series on Netflix, uh, teens going through trial by combat. Overcome. I'm pretty sure that's the new season of Riverdale, actually, but um, <laughs> we go up and we hit what is kind of this uh, this part seriously reminds me of dune and a few other things but we basically make a mini earthquake to piss off a thresher maw but while we're doing the mini earthquake we have to fight a bunch of random animals and you mentioned that these are the clicks in uh these random i guess ambient wildlife that is really pissed that we're doing this earthquake with good reason you know you think that I mean, if, if somebody came to my like, house and just started shaking it, I'd probably be a little upset, too. Yeah, shaking it to make a giant worm show up. And, like, you know, they live here. You know, we're just kind of tourists in the area doing a little puberty ritual and <laughs> shaking shit. They're like, my house is here, you asshole. <laughs> uh, 
The Clixton do remind me of Rack. Yeah, well. that's what I generally like. Long ago, when I when I didn't have an HD television and I couldn't necessarily read the UI, sometimes I thought they were Rack Knight for a while. That's a that's 2010 kind of The Rack Knight went. Yeah. They got, the Krogan were so pissed about having to fight them and then getting genophaged afterwards that they just kept the Rack Knight chained up, fought him, fought him for fun during the right because the actual right is living against the Thresher Maw. Yeah. This is important to note you have to survive the thresher moth fight you don't necessarily have to kill it that being said every time i've done this mission mm-hmm. i've killed the thresher maw i don't remember easily. if I, I don't remember if i did it on my insanity playthrough just because like you can get one shot by basically anything when it's that way but mm-hmm. yeah it's like i've never had trouble beating the thresher maw like it's relative it's to not the, particularly hard like relative to like even the Mass Effect one times we fought Thresher it seems very... Because, like, that one, you're, like, in the Mako, and, like, you don't necessarily have a lot of cover to go through. But, like, this one, it's, like, it's a fairly standard firefight against this massive worm thing. Mm-hmm. Like, you even... You have to move between cover and... Yeah, and, like, you, you never have to worry about, about it, it, like, coming out from uh, out from under you, or you think, yeah. like, most of it's... Uh... And it, it telegraphs its moves pretty easily, too. It's, like, it's... It's just... I mean, it's interesting, because, like, it's a type of thing we haven't fought before, and it's a type of thing we don't fight again in this game. Or in 3, for that matter. Like, I guess this is the last time we fight a Thresher Maw. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Unless there's a part of 3 that I don't remember. But uh, Thresher Maw certainly are there, but you don't necessarily they fight They are them. there in 3, yes, but... Uh, yeah. And, and I don't know if this really... Um, you know, by this point, you're kind of leveled up. You know, you mm-hmm. have a lot of high-end skills, especially if you bring, depending on the character that you bring, but even if you only bring, like, Garrus or something like that, you still have, like, Concussive Blast and stuff right. like that. Uh, it's... It is kind of underwhelming compared to some of the other bosses and just general uh, high-level NPCs that you fight throughout the course of the game. Even the ones that are basically just souped up versions of normal enemies mm. that have names you know like we will be fighting in some of these loyalty missions you know, when it's just like oh it's a named npc but they're basically the same as any other mm-hmm. blue sun's merc or whatever right. uh even those are a little bit more intimidating than this thresher ma who's just kind of a giant bullet sponge but i guess that is maybe the most apt way to test a krogan's ability is to see if they can shoot <laughs> a lot <laughs> uh so we beat the Thresher Maw. Uh, Grunt's now through puberty. Good job. Congratulations. Uh, and then the enemy clan shows up and they don't want a tank bred Krogan being, you know, admitted into the actual Krogan. So we gotta kill some. Well, they, well, they even offer, Krogan. they offer, once you like finish the right, they're like, kind of like, we'll let you be a second class citizen in our clan. And then. Uh huh. You can, I mean, you can, you can be a dick and be like, Grunt's not going to do that. This is like, I'm a commanding officer. I can make that decision. Or you can just be like, I'm pretty sure Grunt is going to say no. And then he just tackles him, which is great. Yeah. You can be like, I think I know what Grunt's yeah. answer is going to be. And right. then Grunt just like lays him out. And honestly, that was when I was kind of like, all right, Grunt's all right. <laughs> he's going he's gonna to be all right in the scheme of things. Mm. Uh, yeah. This was... Starting here with the loyalty missions, I'm kind of glad 
because not only does this kind of set us up and we get to talk about Tachanka and all that, but also this is maybe one of the less stellar loyalty missions writing wise, right? Because it really is just kind of a lore dump about who the Krogan are and how Krogan society works. You get to talk to the shaman and all that, and you get to really get some insight into all the different uh, facets of the Krogan lifestyle and, and especially Tachanka. Yeah. But... I think that one of the weird things about it is kind of like, like as soon as the mission's over, it feels like Grunt's story stops because with mm-hmm. a, lot of, a lot of characters that we're going to talk about later, it's like the loyalty mission informs their worldview later where now Grunt is just kind of like, oh, so it's natural for me to want to kill everything. All right, cool. I'm going to do that. That's that's what I'm going to do now. That's why I'm coming on your suicide mission, because that is the thing that I'm going to get to do. Mm-hmm. I don't you know. know what? Chase your dream, Grunt. Chase I mean, your dream. <laughs> yeah, I mean, fair enough. It's got very sim- got a very simple dream. Like, real easy stuff. He just wants to do something. I, I will say, again, having now seen, played a little bit in the Mass Effect 3, I think we get better insight into the Krogan with some characters that show up in three mm-hmm. and some of those conversations get a lot better. Ken, you will be happy to know that my view on three may be coming around. Not yeah, all the yeah. way to yours, but definitely well, definitely further than it was in the past. There's um, there's time. You'll you'll get there. <laughs> but the other maybe more important mission that we have on Tachanka involves Morden and it involves a I believe it's a former not co-worker but apprentice of his yeah, yeah. Uh, student uh, Malin who has been secretly working on something that might just be a cure for the genophage and presumably I feel this against his will yes presumably he has been forced to do this uh, so this is the part where it's important to bring up some of the discussions that you've had with Morden prior to this that would have led into this mission. Primarily that while you're aboard the Normandy and you're talking to Morden, you get a lot of insight into how he was a part of making the genophage in the first place. And well, not, uh, not so much making it, but like adjusting it. Modif- modifying right. it. Yeah, you find out that there are two, essentially two versions of the genophage. One that took... And then one that was modified to be what it is today. And he was the team that worked on the modified genophage, which made it pretty damn resilient and effective. Uh, so war crimes. You, yes, still war crimes. <laughs> um, and a lot of Morden's story starts to shape around this because you kind of start to see that while he doesn't necessarily have a lot of regrets in life, that might be one of them. And you can kind of see how he he's tried to forge ahead and not think so much about it. But every time you kind of talk to him about the genophage, he's definitely like, you can tell he took the pragmatic approach, but he still regrets that it had to happen. And so going to Tachanka to rescue Malin, uh, we get into some really interesting stuff here. This is actually, I was surprised going back and doing the loyalty missions. This was one of the ones that hit me harder mm-hmm. than I thought it would. It's, it's no, it's no Samara loyalty mission. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Still preparing myself for that, but uh, it is fairly interesting. And this is one of the loyalty missions that just even outside of, so jumping back a little bit, Grunt's loyalty mission does actually play into uh, some story stuff in Mass Effect 3, but Morton's has a much larger 
play mm. into Mass Effect 3 in a way that's fairly interesting. So we show up and there's a bunch of Krogan fighting. It looks like the a damn battle royale. Someone was like, Mass Effect Battle Royale, 100 <laughs> Krogan drop onto a planet, see who's still standing. Um, and as we kind of fight through both the Krogan and the Mercs, uh, I believe we don't have it here in the notes, but I think it's Blue Suns that we're doing this. Uh, I think it was the Blood Pack, actually. Or, or, oh, or Blood Pack. Less, no, less or maybe stuff. it was the... I thought it was a not Krogan. Let's double check. We, yeah, we are going to double check real quick. Fact check. Blood Pack. It was the Blood Pack. Why Why would they do that? They're... they're predominantly krogan that seems messed up uh <laughs> anyways you're catching so, on yeah uh the blood pack are, are hanging out and we fight through some blood pack and some krogan as well and we stumble upon a clearly uh you know what's happening in my head right now ken mm. that i just realized mm. has been happening i get and and i realize this in post now and this is important that we that we realize this in post I get this mission mixed up with uh, the recruit mission for Grunt all the time. <laughs> uh, well, they're similar. I thought the next part that comes up was we meet a tank bred Krogan standing outside looking around at all the bloodshed. And yeah, I was you like, mentioned wait, the, no, that's not right. You mentioned the battle royale, and I was like, okay, that that's not how I would have described it, but I, all right, I'll go with it. And now that you're like starting to really talk about it, I was like, oh, yep, you're totally describing a different mission. Yeah, I'm suddenly having that moment where I'm like, wow, these two missions are extremely similar. (laughs) In my mind, they have merged into one. So, (laughs) So, Ken, why don't you take the wheel for a second while I reacquaint myself? Just like, take a second, clutch yourself. Uh, So, (laughs) we we get to a blood pack base where Malin is seemingly being held hostage. Um... As we are progressing through, we find just, like, a lot of dead bodies of, like, Krogans, humans. Like, even there's a point where uh, Morden even talks about, like, how the reason that they might use human for, like, Krogan-related experiments is just because, like, humans have this, like, really diverse uh, biology, like, compared to Mm -hmm. other things. Like, they are sort of, like, they can be used for certain types of things and it still be applicable to other species. Um, And so, like, we kind of gather that the blood pack seems to be forcing Malin to do some work on curing the Genophage, despite having probably known that he was involved in the work that uh, sort of like updated the Genophage to make it what we know of it as today. Okay, you good? You ready? Mm-hmm. No, yeah, I'm here. Okay, so really, a lot of this mission is just the dialogue that you're having with Morden as you come across Malin's different tapes and experiments, and especially his failed experiments, because you start to see that a lot of his methods have been extremely barbaric. Mm. There's a lot of um, chained corpses that have been chained to beds and things like that. You can tell that there were some bad things happening here to try and make uh, this happen. And you note it as well, but the thing that stuck out to me, I think I maybe only had three notes from this entire mission, and this, and that's maybe why I don't remember it as much, but uh, the thing that really stuck out to me was the way that Morden kind of evolves on his own throughout this mission as he's seeing the effects of 
what he has done and, and not just the effects you know like the the genophage itself because that's kind of a hard concept to really visualize but the effects it's had on the life of so many people mm. in post that 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 someone is so willing to have the genophage cured that they would willingly submit themselves to right. this kind of treatment that um, as you find out the Krogan females willingly went along with this plan that, that Malin, all these experiments that Malin was doing because they wanted a cure for the genophage so bad. And so that's, it is this sort of thing where Morden has always been very much this pragmatic guy. Um, he felt it was necessary and he's, he's kind of starting to realize that the things he did have had a larger impact than he ever could have realized. It's kind of like a so f- cultural marker of these people now, like in some mm-hmm. way that like the Geth pushing the Quarians off of their homeworld or, well, I don't think we've talked about the art of Yash yet, but just like, it's this plague on these people like that mm-hmm. in like other than like, the Yashi is biological. The Geth was, like, self-inflicted, but this was something that they did to another people. Like, that was... Like, they, they took away this... Not, like, the species and this culture's right to choose their own path. Mm-hmm. And as it... As this whole series goes on, and the more you learn about how the Krogan became a space-faring species and all that, you really get to see how that's affected the way that galactic... Um, relations have have worked out since because the Turians and the Salarians were the ones who uh, brought the Krogan from basically, you know, just living on their planet, minding their own business all the way into space technology and fancy armor and all this tech and stuff, but they were still very much of the mindset that they would have had as just a tribal community on a planet by themselves. Right. And they did that because they saw the potential for warriors in the Krogan, mm. but uh, then they suddenly realized that they had given all these tools to them and started trying to suppress them. The rebellions happen, the genophage happens. You can kind of see how all these threads start to connect, and it's it's tough. This is a, it's a really tough mission to get through because. Right. I, I really want to point out here that this is the part in the game where I was starting to really uh, love the voice acting and realizing how much craft was going into mm. it. The voice acting, the cinematography, which feels very strange to say, especially in this day and age. But uh, the fact that it's not just two static images talking at each other, but that there are actual camera angles and there are efforts to put image composition into shots during cutscenes and things like that. Mm. All of it strikes and really drives home this mission and sets up the emotional stakes of this thing that had just been like you said it had been a cultural marker but it was just kind of like flavor text right until up until now we hadn't really seen what the genophage meant so the player is kind of along for the ride like morden is Mm. uh so we finally find malin i really like your description of him here it's a guy with 11 followers on twitter arguing politics with the professional the d- <laughs> it, yeah well i mean we gotta set set the stage before we get into like the specifics of the things that he says because it's it's wild yeah um you you take the wheel on malin because again 
I'm so <laughs> so. I'm literally like I'm I'm convinced that I played. Maybe I played the same mission twice. Is that possible? Did I do that? <laughs> I mean, if you reloaded the wrong save, just could have could have been crazy. Um, so we find out that Malin has not been here unwillingly. He is doing it because he has this major guilt about what they did, which is basically like damned a species to being uh, infertile um, in the way that it affected their culture. Uh, and so Morden, like, uncharacteristically, like, gobsmacked. Like, we all agreed that this was what we were going to do. This is like, like, everyone was on the same page. And he's like, how was I supposed to disagree with Morden Solis? Like, how was I supposed to be the, the voice of reason in a room of people that already thought that each of them filled that role? Um, so he's been doing all of this work to, like, with the help of the Blood Pack and these willing Krogan who are willing to, you know, un- undergo all these experiments, uh, trying to find a way to cure the genophage. Um, so Morden, he, he, okay, there, so there are two choices you make here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. One, Morden is like, there's no way for us, like, you will not stop what you're doing. You're, the, your experiments are out of line. I have to kill you. Uh, what did you do? I, the first time I did it, I did not let him kill Malin. Uh, and I did not like the way that resolved. So this time around, How did it... I kind of I looked at your, the, the way that it goes is he just kind of gets away. And it, I, I think it comes back up again in three somehow. I can't remember how. Um, I would have to to Google it, but I remember that that was one of the choices that I was not happy with um, mm. coming out of two. So this time around, uh, I, I definitely went through the same thought process that uh, in your notes you mentioned here, um, that the methods are unacceptable and he's just going to try again. And also, sounds like a bad way to judge whether or not <laughs> a life should be taken. But it was also virtual and I felt that this uh mission was about kind of Morden cleaning his conscience and finding a way forward mm. and maybe not dwelling so much on the past and i think part of that was that he had to move past Malin and he had to kind of understand his role in it as well mm. so maybe then in that case letting Malin live would have been important because he would have had to deal with that guilt um rather than washing it away but uh i let him kill Malin i was like Okay, whatever. Yeah, it's yeah. just like do do it. <laughs> there are a couple instances in the loyalty missions where like a squad mate wants to kill somebody and I'm just kind of like I know that if I let this person live that they are going to do something unacceptable. Like they're and then that's kind of on me. Like that's a like a thing that normally FM's probably not equipped to talk about, but it's like my feeling is if I let Malin go and he butchers more Krogan for this, that's on me. Mm-hmm. So, I if you heard me typing there, it was because I was looking up uh, what what happens uh, later on if you allow Malin to live. Uh, this is if Malin's data was saved, uh, and it appears that it primarily just affects what happens in three involving Morden. Um, it doesn't look like much actually happens depending on whether or not Malin lives. Uh, you might get you might get an email 
but that's about it mm. so maybe i'm i'm misremembering that as well there is definitely the the major choice that you make uh in this one is definitely what happens with malin's data and um yeah i saved the data because even if it happened poorly people gave their lives for that to be found and if any of it can even remotely help with curing the genophage then it has to help like so. it, it had to have been for something like right and I, I would i would argue that destroying the data is also a war crime just adding on like the list of fucked up shit that can possibly happen to the krogan in these games so i think the the conundrum they try to introduce here is maybe more of sounds weird but maybe more of a legal one whereas is data obtained illegally uh still valuable still um something worth keeping and are you like tacitly endorsing the methods used to obtain it in that case like what if there's another way to cure the genophage but using this data you only found a way that was like barbaric or something Mm -hmm. like that uh so i can kind of understand the the dilemma that they might have been trying to introduce but honestly it is like we need this data if we want to cure the genophage and that's really what this whole loyalty mission is setting up is that it's it's putting that little seed in morden's head i think about there is a wrong that he committed and he needs to right it and will he do so we'll find out (laughs) later on in mass effect 3 and also it's like uh, it's i'm like vermeyer they didn't let us like even have an opinion that wasn't mm-hmm. like trying to like immediately destroy the genophage cure for without any any conversation about it. Um, so th- it was nice here that this is like the point where they start to like make you make that decision and make you start to like pick a side. Um, and, and in the case of of Vermeer, I will say that while I do agree that it kind of sucks that you don't have that option on Vermeer, um, they could have done a better job of setting it up. Like we don't have time. We we'd have to exfiltrate all these things and we literally need to get in and get out because we need to destroy this base and that's that is that like we will barely get away with our lives trying to do this we might not even like they could have done a better job of like setting up their reasons why trying to get the genophage stuff out of the base in vermeer was good but Mm -hmm. i think they make the best of a bad situation there by using that as this thing that they can constantly refer back to like we can't let an opportunity like that pass us up again. If we right. get a chance, we have to make it work. And and again, in Mass Effect 2 and Mass Effect 3, that's kind of a constant callback for these characters is to remember the base on Vermeer and be like, we had a chance to stop it then and we didn't take it, so we need to do whatever we can now to make sure that we do. To do right by these people that uh-huh. needed it. Um, so yeah, unlike Grunt, I feel like there's still a lot to Morden... Uh, after his loyalty mission, which because of the yes. way that we've got this the show structured, this is kind of like the point to talk about characters post loyalty mission. Um, my I have one question for you, Eric. Mm-hmm. Did you get Morden to sing? Oh, of course I did. It is the most important part, and and I actually feel I appreciate this a little bit more because now that I'm older, I know what Gilbert and Sullivan is, and so I know that it's like a parody mm. of um he is an Englishman, and uh. It's it's just a moment that I'm like, I can't believe somebody somebody had to pitch that. That was not in the original doc for Morden that he was going to be super into Gilbert and Sullivan musicals as a Solarian. And, and then literally break out into song. Yeah, literally sing. And it's he's this character that I really feel 
if any character got a life of their own in Mass Effect 2, it's he was he's one of the two. There's one other character that I think really matches him uh, going forward in the series. But I would say even compared to that character, who we will talk about in a loyalty mission, not soon, soon, but at some point, <laughs> Morden kind of becomes this character. I mean, so the fair point here to also make is that this is your first Solarian crewmate. We haven't really spent a lot of time with any Solarian person up to this point. Kirahi is probably the most recognizable Solarian that we spent any amount of time with in Mass Effect uh, prior to Morden. And so he's unique in that way. But even among Solarians, he is extremely unique. His manner of speaking is unique. His approach to things and in Mass Effect 2, like, the loyalty mission is definitely the part where I think we really get to see him develop as a character. And so while his intro, you love him immediately from his intro. His The way he's just scatterbrained and talking all the time. He's very quirky and he's this doctor, but he'll also shoot you. And <laughs> He's just, you can't not love him. But seeing him in this loyalty mission really sets up that he is a character that has depth. And that he is, more importantly, he's a character that can change over the mm. course of games. And very few of these characters actually do that. And like, there, there's something that's nice to me about it, that he's a character that changes out of his own um, volition, as opposed to mm-hmm. influenced by Shepard. Which is yes. like, I mean, that's the nature of Bioware games, is that a lot of characters' arcs are largely dependent on what you, how you interact with them. Where mm-hmm. a lot of this stuff, is like, you have these arguments with him about the genophage, and he's despite the fact that you can tell it's sort of wearing on him just like seeing all this happen he's very steadfast in everything that he thinks um like as much as i love Morden, i would argue that like him and jack are like these two characters that my shepherd straight up does not get along with and it's like it informs my relationship with those characters as much as i respect them from like a writing standpoint just like the way that they develop over time the actual relationship between my character and theirs is very strenuous it's interesting because the characters we have here as the game goes on you don't necessarily develop the same kind of bonds with them that you do with say the original normandy crew uh you don't kind of have that lasting friendship because these are characters that you're kind of just picking up to come along for the ride and then they might show up again later they might not and and that's definitely reflected in three later on the way that you meet some characters from one versus some characters from two uh is definitely more cursory in the the latter compared to the former and i i just keep going back to and again this is purely because i'm playing ahead uh the way that these character stories play out going forward especially compare someone like say miranda or jacob compared to who morden is by the end of the series and and what he means to the fan base and kind of where he stands he is he becomes an iconic character i think Mm -hmm. i mean he has arguably one of the most iconic lines in the entire series one that i'm thinking about it now and it's making me really sad is it the um, seashells or is it had to be me no it had to be me Mm -hmm. um and it's like it's incredibly good and and i really just this is where i have to tip my hat for all the issues that i have with mass effects writing on some characters you know we could talk about a lot of these characters (laughs) and how they kind of stumble and stuff but when push comes to shove and it's time to to write some damn good character writing i think morden is some of the best work in the mass effect series bar none 
I argue like some of the best and probably the medium. Like I, mm-hmm. like you know, like there are ups and downs with Mass Effect and stuff that Bioware has done. But I think Morden, like, and we'll obviously we'll get to like the conclusion of his arc in Mass Effect Three. It's like I'm not ready. <laughs> he he is incredible to me, and he remains so to this day. Yeah, it's I. I don't mean for this to sound hyperbolic, and and this is especially like a huge dynamic compared to Grunt, who who's paired with Morden here, sadly. <laughs> um, but few would not be found wanting paired with Morden, uh, in in terms of their writing. Uh, and and Grunt is certainly excellent in his own right; has his own time to shine as the series goes on in his own way, and. It's just that Borden really does just become this character. This also represents what I think what the major shift was going from one into two, which is he is this character who can kind of question himself because bless our favorite space racist. (laughs) uh, She does not change much Mm. over the course of this game. And, And more specifically, she just kind of becomes less space less vocally space racist <laughs> right um and and many other characters from one you know we talked a lot about rex but rex kind of always had this ideology ideology that he wanted to uh unite the clans and and the genophage and now he's just kind of realizing that he has to be the one to do it but with morden it is very much the shift from he thought he was doing the right thing in modifying the genophage and ensuring it worked uh and being this kind of cold pragmatic doctor to realizing the effects of the things that he did and the effects that he he brought into the universe and also just you mentioned this earlier with malin saying that um you know how are you supposed to disagree with the great born solace he's kind of recognizing his own stature that he is a right. person of influence he is a person of power and had to be him carries weight and carries responsibility yeah so oh love you morden that's all we have to say please Let's just not cover Mass Effect 3. Let's just not do it. Because then, then nothing else could happen past this point, And we just get to always talk about Morden. Be really good. Be really good. Mm. That's going to do it this week for, for Normandy Event. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you haven't, please be sure. Go and check out our Patreon. Patreon.com slash NormandyFM. Uh, we have a Patreon up there. It helps us pay hosting costs, which it turns out is a thing on SoundCloud. And so if you want to help us make sure that we can keep putting out some awesome coverage of Mass Effect, especially in this age of Bioware having games out that aren't Mass Effect. It's a troubling time out there. Um, it is. It is the week of Anthem. It's, it do we, do we want to have a quick bit here just to talk about... So I have not yet played Anthem. Right. Not, not, I haven't either. Um I've but heard... it's been interesting seeing, you know, we, we're obviously seeing reports and, and reviews. There are some reviews that have gone up. It sounds like there was not a lot of pre-release code or the way that it went out was kind of the same as the pre-orders of the game went out. So it's one of those weird situations that EA seems to always wind up in. I think there it was the same with Battlefield. I want to say that people who paid enough money to EA could be playing it the same time that reviewers were playing it because Anthem technically doesn't come out until like next this Tuesday or Friday Friday. yeah uh but it sure doesn't sound like the thing that I want from it's like makers of Mass Effect I don't know how I spent two years feeling basically nothing but dread for this game and it it feels worse than I could have possibly imagined like 
worse for so like my 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 feeling was that like this type of game is not what I want, but it also sounds like from the standards of this type of game, it is not great. Yeah, like even by the Destiny standards, which is kind of the thing that you got to hold it up to because sorry, but Destiny is the big dog when it comes to that sort of loot shooter. Um, it, se- it seems even by that, there's just a lot of stuff that went wrong. Like apparently the UI is really rough. Uh, you can queue up for multiplayer without having selected a mode, so you can just eternally queue for nothing. Uh, it's there's and a lot there's... of just weird stuff in it, and then the the writing doesn't seem that good. The story seems kind of messy. And... and then even when it is there, there's apparently stuff where like if if you're trying. Like, because it is ostensibly a bio... Like, I mean, not ostensibly a bio but, like, ostensibly a story... Like, a, a game that has a story and that people care about. And, like, even if you don't think it's great, it's still a Bioware game. So, like, you have, like, a... Generally, if, you, if you're playing a Bioware game, you're coming in there looking for that kind of stuff. Apparently, you can miss chunks of it if somebody, like, mm-hmm. moves ahead in a mission. Ahead of you. Like, you... Like, yep. you'll get pulled forward and you can miss cutscenes and dialogue. And I, I, I learned I learned the other day... You can't even make a character in this game. Like, like you, like you. Yeah, you only have presets. What? <laughs> it's like, incredible. Even it's like, like the basic things, like stuff that, not, like, it doesn't necessarily have to be like the RPG elements. It's like that's something that people go to Bioware for. Like, I'm like, there are games that I don't really give a shit about. Like Saints Row. Like I go and play those games because I want to make a character and just like see them in the world and do that. I like there is no company in this industry that I go to that more so than Bioware and now their presets I'm gonna look like my character's gonna look like everybody else's Mm -hmm. and it's really strange because yes granted you don't ever actually see your character's face or anything because the character that you see in the world is the the Iron Man mecha suit that they're that they're riding and there's customization I promise I can talk (laughs) uh, for that and and it seems like that's where most of the effort went. But even then, it it then seems really strange that they would give you this option to choose a preset. And I don't understand why they wouldn't just be like, okay, you know, just select your pronouns or gender and there you go. Because you're not ever going to see yourself. So we're just going to make sure we have that setting for whatever voice actor should be assigned to your character and, and, and go. Like, you would probably save money doing that because then you don't have to come up with all these presets. Because the only time you're ever going to see your character is never because you're in first person mode in the the story areas where they wouldn't be wearing the suit. So it's all very strange choices that I don't really get. And part of me has that curiosity. That's like, I want to see what this thing is, but I know that the thing that I want from Bioware is going to, at this point come from the dragon age team, because Mm -hmm. they're the ones that are ostensibly still working on that sort of game and i was talking to a friend about this the other night but i was like you know inquisition is it was still a really good game i really like dragon age and even though it's this thing that isn't exactly mass effect and it, it's not exa- it's not that i want or i do want more mass effect but uh i just want that same sort of storytelling that same sort of dialogue and choices and the feeling that you know, I have these characters I can go talk to that I'm building mm-hmm. up a party of companions and I guess I just gotta play like Fire Emblem for that at this point like that's the thing that's, it's, you know, Fire Emblem and Persona I guess Like it's, it's just so strange because like there I'm, 
I am all for Bioware making new IP. Like, I I would have rather... Like, as much as I like Mass Effect Andromeda, I would have rather not had it than, like... Like, I would rather them made something new um, that was similar, at least in, like, the way that it was structured. It and would have like, taken so. some of the expectations off of it, for sure. Like, it would have helped a lot in that respect. But it, it, this, that's, I just don't understand how that team makes this game. And, like, I mean... I kind of I do from like a business standpoint because I uh, like I mm, okay like again I have still not played <laughs> Anthem I've I've still yet to play Anthem and for all I know it might be one of those weird things that suddenly clicked with me somehow I and I'll get past the fact that it's not a a Bioware game as I know it but like I've resisted sort of like the notion that EA has had its hooks in Bioware and has fundamentally changed like the philosophy behind the way that that studio operates and for all the weird like the multiplayer and the open world stuff of Andromeda and Inquisition I still felt that way because like even if there was all this open world stuff I didn't necessarily want to engage with like the core of what I wanted was still there like there was like this party there were these relationships there was a story there was this way to like see like a character in the world that is like a like a representation of me I just like I know Bioware is saying right now that, like, this game is, like, genuine, I guess. But, like, I just, I don't, you don't make this big of a jump without somebody pulling the strings. It's, it's tough. I will say that as we wrap our industry talk segment (laughs) of the show, um... The one thing that does give me a little bit of hope, because we've talked in the past about how uh, we've been worried about whether Anthem would kind of define the fate of Bioware going forward, because, it, you know, what else does EA have? Luckily now, EA also has a little game, I don't know if you've heard of it, called Apex Legends, mm. uh, that seems to be taken off pretty well in, in a way that I think EA would have wanted Anthem to do, uh, right. to kind of be their temple. In the way that Destiny was for Activision, uh, was, <laughs> uh, it's, it's at least a little heartening to see that. So you know, I can be like, oh, okay, you know, they they got that. So they're if if Anthem doesn't do well, they're not going to need to make a huge course correction. But also, like, look at what happened with Activision Blizzard, and there's mm-hmm. nothing guaranteed in this games industry anymore. So unionize is how we're going to end the industry <laughs> segment. Unionize. Uh, Thank you again for tuning in. Thank oh, wait, you, wait, Ken. We got, we oh. got... Oh, you're next right. Next week. Next week. We do. So next week, uh, Polygon slash Heroes Never Dies, very own uh, Cass Marshall will be joining us. We will be talking uh, Jacob and Jack, their loyalty missions. Uh, we're looking forward to that. I'm especially uh, happy to have her on to talk Jacob as he is our regular... Uh, she, she, we point at it, laugh. <laughs> she, so, she literally asked to talk about Jacob. So like that's yeah, that that was... that was that was when we reached out to her and we asked. She said, "I want to talk about Jacob." And you know what? Mad so points. <laughs> Come on, let's talk about Jacob because there's nothing we love more than talking about our our old pal Jacob. <laughs> mm. And then also Jack. I, I actually am kind of interested in talking about Jack as well. Yeah. There's. That was another one of the loyalty missions that maybe surprised me a bit more that I did not think uh, would be that interesting mm. in replaying this game. And I, of course, will be watching some YouTube videos in the meantime, 
rewatching these missions to make sure I remember which mission <laughs> we're talking about. Because apparently, anytime we're talking about the genophage, the missions just blur together into one mission for me. So I'm gonna make sure I've got <laughs> some. I'm gonna make sure it's all unlocked for you, the listener. Next time, this is only for you. <laughs> Until then, thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next week on Norm DFM.